0: Welcome to this message from the teaching ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Orlando, Florida, under the leadership of Senior Pastor Mike Osborne. Good morning. My name is Jody Wallace. I've been at UPC since the spring of 2000, and I get to read the word with you today. We're looking in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17, and that can be found on page 73 if you are looking at the Bibles uh, underneath the seats in front of you. So Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and who keep my commandments." You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals nor your You shall not bear or give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant or his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord.
1: Let's pray. Father, uh, we now look in your word. People all over the world on this day are feasting on your word. Would you fill us? And uh, help us to feel the presence of your holy spirit as we as we look at your word. Use this time now for your glory and for our good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen we 're going to continue with a series. Uh, the series on the 10 commandments that we started several weeks ago We've covered uh, the first commandment and the second commandment this morning We're looking at the third commandment not misusing the lord's name or not taking the lord's name in vain And uh, as we've been moving through these and as we continue to move through the 10 commandments, you know Hopefully we're being challenged and convicted and learning uh, How much god loves us through these commandments and sometimes I think if you, uh, if you, if you think about it, you tend to want to know why on some commandments. And, uh, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's okay to wonder why. In fact, lately, um, Noah, my son, he's three and a half, and he, about six months ago, entered the why phase. Parents, you with me on that one? Uh, where every single thing that you say is met with a why. Noah, can you clean up your toys, please? Why? Noah, can you eat the rest of your chicken, please? Why? Noah, will you put your sister down, please? Why? You know things like that. And uh, and so I, I sat down with him one day and I said, Noah, here's the deal, buddy. I'm your daddy. You don't ask me why. You obey first. So when I tell you to do something, I want you to say yes, sir. And then if uh, after, you know later, if you want to ask me why I had you do that thing, I'll be glad to tell you, because I don't just tell you to do random things. I have always have a purpose. And when I tell you to do something. So now I say, no, will you pick up your toys? And he says, yes, sir. Why? (laughs) So still working on that one. But, you know, we feel that way, too. And we look at these commandments. uh, Number one, you know, as uh, people who have the spirit of God dwelling inside of us, we want to obey because God has commanded it. But also, I think it's important that we do want to know, why would God tell us not to misuse his name? And the beauty of it is, if as we look at uh, his commandment here, this third commandment, what we see is a very, very loving God. And we see from this that when we use the Lord's name in ways that bring him glory, when we use the Lord's name in ways that glorify him, our lives change. And people get saved. Our lives change and people get saved when we use God's name as we are supposed to. So let's talk about that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about three ways in which we break uh, the third commandment and three ways in which we do misuse the Lord's name. But then we're also going to talk about the one main way uh, that we uh, keep the third commandment and why it's so important and exciting. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to look at it first from sort of a narrow perspective. And what I mean by that is we're going to talk about how, how we break the Lord's commandment when we literally say his name, when his name leaves our lips. And then we'll also talk about um, how we break the commandment when we maybe throw in a substitute uh, for his name. And then we'll pan out and we'll look at more of a broad scope and see how our whole lives uh, have to be examined to see whether or not we're breaking uh, the third commandment in more than just what we say. So let's start by by thinking about how we break the third commandment uh, in using his name explicitly. And what I mean by that is this. Uh, We want to be very careful that we're not emptying that which is full. We want to make sure we're not emptying that which is full. Here's what I mean by that. We take the Lord's name in vain or we misuse his name when we use his profoundly meaningful name in a meaningless way. The Hebrew word that we translate from this chapter of Exodus to say when we, tra- the word that we translate into English as in vain or misuse, it literally is translated as nothingness or meaninglessness. So a literal wooden translation would be, do not lift up the Lord's name for nothing. In other words, do not say God's name for no purpose. Do not say his name in a meaningless way. And see, God, God's name is, should be and is absolutely packed with meaning. I mean, there's literally no other words in the world that have as much meaning as God or the Lord or Jesus. His name is absolutely filled with meaning. And he wants us when we say his name or when we hear his name. To have all that he is. Behind that and with that, he wants us thinking about who he is and what he's done. He wants it so that when we say his name or hear his name, we have thoughts of his love, thoughts of his power, thoughts of his majesty, thoughts of his creativity, thoughts of his wisdom, thoughts of his mercy, thoughts of his justice, thoughts of his graciousness, thoughts of his generosity, thoughts of his choosing to send his one and only son to live the life we can't live but should have and die the death we deserve to die but won't because of him, because of Jesus. All of these things should come through. We should be thinking about these things. In fact, God wants it so that every time we hear or say his name, it compels us to worship on some level. That doesn't mean that every time we hear or say God's name, we should drop to the floor and bow down, although that would not be inappropriate. God wants his name to evoke in us thoughts of who he is and what he's done. And we see that right in the beginning of the Ten Commandments. Look at the preface once again, the first couple verses. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So in other words, what he's saying is, here's who I am. I'm the Lord. I'm God, creator, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all these good things. That's who I am. Here's what I've done. I've saved you. I've delivered you from slavery in Egypt. And then as we walk through all of these commandments, thinking about that context, it begins to become clear how much this God loves us. Like, for example, if you think about the first commandment, he's saying to us, don't have any other gods. In other words, I'm the only true Lord. Don't follow somebody else. They won't be able to deliver you. And I've this is what I've done. I've delivered you. He had delivered the Israelites from their slavery to Pharaoh. He's delivered you and me from our slavery to sin. He wants us to be thinking about that. So he says, don't have any other gods. They won't deliver you. They can't. Uh, The second commandment, don't make any images or idols. He's saying, don't worship me the way the pagans worship their gods. They make their gods. They can see their gods. Follow me by faith. I want you to walk by faith, not by sight. He's telling us how much He loves us and how we are to continue to follow Him so we continue to experience His love and His grace. And then you get to the third commandment and He says to us, My people, I love you so much. Cherish my name. Cherish my name. Every time, God says to us, He's saying every time you say my name or hear my name or think of my name, do not separate it. From who I am, God, the Lord, and what I've done, I've delivered you. He wants us to be thinking of those things. Otherwise, if we allow the meaning that's supposed to come through whenever we say or think about or hear God's name, if we allow that meaning to be dampered or even to fall out, he knows what's going to happen. He knows we end up running off and following other or false gods who cannot deliver us, who will not deliver us. He loves us too much. And so he wants us to cherish his name so that when we use God's name, it has the effect that it should, that we end up feeling compelled to worship. You know, we know this. um, There's lots of ways in our society where uh, certain words need to have a certain meaning. And if they lose those meaning, if they lose that meaning, then bad things will happen. Some of you, I'm sure, are aware of the old children's story, uh, the little boy who cried wolf. Okay, great little story people used to tell their children at night before they went to bed, tucking them in. Okay, little Johnny, let me tell you a story. Uh, There once was a little boy, and he was watching some sheep, and uh, he decided to play a joke. So he cries, wolf. And all the townspeople run out with their pitchforks and their weapons, and they're there, and they're ready to help. And they're saying, where's the wolf? And he's laughing, and they're like, okay, bummer. So they go back home. The next day, the next night, whatever, he's out there uh, watching the sheep again. And he cries out once again in a joking way. He's like, wolf. And then all the townspeople run out again. They're ready to kill that wolf and help protect the sheep. But, of course, no wolf. So they go back home frustrated. And then the third day, the wolf shows up. And so the little boy says, wolf, wolf. And nobody comes. So he gets eaten. Good night. I mean, that that was a children's story. What's wrong with us? You know what I'm saying? But think about that for a second. When the word wolf lost its effect, the effect that it was supposed to have was that people would feel an urgency to run and help. When the word wolf lost its effect, that little boy got eaten up. Now, you and I may not be eaten by a wolf if we use the Lord's name in vain, but... Um, we do get swallowed up by stuff. When When the meaning of God's name is not with us when we think about it and say it, we get swallowed up by our cares. We get swallowed up in our job. We get swallowed up with how good our kids are doing. We get swallowed up by all these things that are not to be our gods. They're not to be the things that we're trusting in or worshiping. And God loves us too much, too much to let that happen, and so he tells us to cherish his name so that when we use it, or when others use it, worship happens. So, you and I who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself, you and I need to carefully examine how we use God's name. In what ways do we say God or Lord or Jesus? There are many names of God in Scripture that you may be aware of, but the ones we use the most are God and Lord and Jesus and things like that. And So how are we using it? Now, uh, here's some examples, uh, some things which aren't in and of themselves bad, but are commonly used and definitely in a vain way, in a meaningless way. Oh, my God, I swear to God or I swear to Christ. God bless Good Lord, praise the Lord, sweet Jesus. Or, of course, using any of the Lord's names as a curse word, which some of us have done and many of us here on a regular basis in our culture. Now, I should say this. Uh, Some of these, of course, uh, we can say. It's not these words in in and of themselves. It's whether or not the meaning is attached. Like, for example, if you are praising God and you say, oh, my God, you are amazing and glorious, that's good. He wants you to do that. Or uh, praise the Lord. If you are uh, thinking about how amazing God is and you say, praise the Lord, and you're literally thinking, praise the Lord, that's awesome, that's legit. But the problem is when we just utter some of these things and we don't really mean it. Like a lot of times, some of us may be guilty of just saying, oh, my God, and then some sort of sentence that doesn't really matter if you think about it. And we're not appealing to God when we say it. Um, Or even some of you are like, what's wrong with God bless? What's wrong with praise the Lord? Well, I'm sorry I said it that way. But anyway, um, the reality is, here's what's wrong with that. If you are saying God bless to someone and you literally are appealing to God to bless that person, amen, good for you but if it's just kind of a random thing that rolls off your tongue or off the end of your fingers at the end of an email, the meaning is not coming through. You're not thinking about who God is and what he's done when you've done that. You know what, I'm a big uh, uh, guilty person in the area of praise the Lord. That has become something, you know, people are like, hey, I got a new bike. Hey, praise the Lord. You know, it just comes out of my mouth. And now as I'm studying this and I'm realizing, wow, that I don't want to do that. I don't want to lose the meaning of the word Lord. I don't want to lose the meaning and the power of who God is and what he's done. So I don't want to say praise the Lord or things like these unless I mean praise the Lord. So you and I, we have to think about how do we tend to use God's name? And when we see areas where we do use his name uh, in a way uh, that we're not thinking about who he is and what he's done when we use it, now that's where some repentance is needed. That's where we need to come before our Lord and say, I've, I've done wrong. I ask for your forgiveness. And the beautiful thing is he does. He not only loves us enough to give us this commandment, but, but you know, we worship him because he loves us enough to forgive us. Um, So this is a very loving, loving command. See, he knows that when we use his name in a meaningless way on a regular basis, the meaning of it falls out, it drops away. And so worship doesn't happen whenever we think of God or say God's name. And he knows that uh, when that happens, we forget about who he is. We forget about What he's done, we start walking through our days and our weeks all alone because when we hear or say his name, it's not causing us to worship him. And he loves us too much to let that happen. But he also loves lost people too much to let us use his name flippantly. He wants us to show a tremendous amount of reverence and respect for his name because whether it's intentional or not, if we go around saying stuff like, oh, my God, look at that sweater or something like that, that where there's really no meeting if we're using his meaningful name in a meaningless way, whether it's intentional or not, what it communicates is that God doesn't mean very much to us. But he does. He means everything to us. And so we want to communicate that. And He has, God has very lovingly shown us in this commandment that uh, we, sh- we do that. We are reminded of who he is and what he's done when we take his name the right way thinking about who he is and what he's done, and then also we are able to communicate to others how important he is. So, again, um, you know, some of us probably need to repent of using the Lord's name in this way and, and uh, work on changing it. Uh, so that is um, uh, talking about uh, emptying what is full. We don't want to empty what is full. Here's the other way it happens. When we are filling something that's empty, This is yet another way uh, to take the Lord's name in vain. We take the Lord's name in vain or we misuse uh, the name of the Lord when we use meaningless words in a meaningful way. In other words, if we mean to say God, if that's what we really mean, but we throw in a substitute. Let me tell you where I'm getting this from. In Matthew 23, Jesus is uh, rebuking uh, some Pharisees. Those were the self-righteous uh, religious people of the day. And he's rebuking them for a whole lot of things. And he's not gentle. He's very, he's very harsh with them because he wanted them to see that they were trusting in themselves and not in him. And so he's rebuking them for several different practices. And one of the things that he attacks is the way they were swearing by things other than God but meaning God. It had become a common practice for Pharisees to say things like, I swear by the temple, that so on and so forth. Or I swear by the heavens, that whatever. And so Jesus comes to them and he says, listen. He said, when you guys swear by the temple, you're actually swearing by the one who fills the temple. And when you swear by the heavens, you're actually swearing by the one who sits on the throne in heaven. And he shows them that the substitute isn't, Right, And so even if their intention was to keep the third commandment by sort of attributing the meaning of God's name to some meaningless word or relatively meaningless word, that too is a failure to keep the third commandment. Now, this is where I got lit up all over the place when I studied this this week. I say these things, oh, my gosh, OMG, which stands for oh, my gosh, in case you don't have the Internet or something, um, gosh, darn it, gee whiz, jeepers, creepers, i Probably haven't said that in a long time. But anyway, uh, the reality is these are these are these things were come that people came up with these things. In an effort to try to keep the third commandment. And what we see from Jesus in Matthew 23 is it doesn't cut it. And so I was thinking, wow. uh, Wow. I say, oh, my gosh, a lot. Now, here's the thing. Let me say this because John Frame says it, and he's way smarter than me. Uh, John Frame is a theologian and teacher up at Reform Theological Seminary, and he points out in his treatment of the third commandment that in, in our culture, particularly in some subcultures, uh, the phrase, oh, my gosh, literally is totally meaningless. Nobody means, oh, my God, but says, oh my gosh, in in some of these cultures, okay? And so if you are saying, I don't mean God when I say, oh my gosh, it's just some random uh, thing I throw out there. It has no meaning. Uh, It's just like, you know, shucks or fiddlesticks or whatever um, to me. Then, hey, there's some gray area here. And we won't come, I'm not going to come down hard on that. You're going to have to kind of make a decision about the context within which you use it and whether or not you literally do mean God but say, gosh, if you say "Oh my God," but you don't mean God, that's done. We got to turn away from that and repent. If you say "Oh my gosh," but mean God, that's done too. We need to turn away from that and repent. But gray area. If you say "Oh my gosh," and you mean nothing, um, perhaps, perhaps you're okay on that one. Personally, here's where I've decided to go. Um, feeling convicted and just wanting, seeing, seeing God's love for me in this commandment, um, uh, make has made me realize I want to try to lose this stuff. Uh, oh, my goodness is another one I say regularly. I'm a, I want to try to lose this stuff from my vocabulary. Um, I don't know exactly what I'm going to say, um, you know, but, uh, you know, I'm thinking maybe like, wow, or uh, oh, boy, or something. I don't know. Well, Who cares? The reality is that I don't care. Because it's so worth it to me to look a little foolish or silly or downright awkward. If it means, if it means that that will help me fight, fight, fight. To preserve the meaning of God's name so that when I do say his name, who he is and what he's done comes through, at least in my heart. So in the gray area, you can work that out with the Holy Spirit. I'm not kidding about that. You need to spend time in prayer and think about what he would have you do, what God would have you do with this. Um, Maybe it's something we can talk about in our life groups and how we use God's name or substitutes for God's name and, and, and do this as a church. Uh, not only do we have each other in an effort to try to take the Lord's name seriously and, and give it its honor and its due uh, together, not only can we do this together, but we also have the Holy Spirit. Listen, anytime any pastor or any person who preaches up here or in any church is telling you, here's something to do, it's not just a thing to try to check off it's something for us to go to god and say will you make me more like christ in this will you give me more of your holy spirit will you empower me to do this christianity is not a pull yourself up by your bootstraps it's a humble yourself before a god who gives you power to obey and he will uh, because he wants that for us he wants us to be people who walk around and when we hear and say his name worship happens he wants that for us because he loves us so very much. So maybe you can talk about that in your life groups or other uh, groups of Christians that you spend time with and, and we can work that out together. Uh, the third way now, let's zoom out, okay? We've talked about how we use God's name explicitly and then how we use substitutes for God's name. But now let's back out and look at how our whole lives uh, need to be uh, thought of here as well. Because the reality is, the third thing we don't want to do is allow our emptiness to shroud his fullness, It's not just emptying that which is full or filling that which is empty. We do not want to allow our emptiness to shroud his fullness. Here's what I mean by that. We take the Lord's name in vain every time we sin. Every sin. Because uh, everything we do reflects on the one whose name we bear. Think of 2 Chronicles uh, 7.14, very popular verse, coffee cup verse, t-shirt verse, always mentioned at prayer meetings. It's a very well-known verse. But I want you to think about what is said in the first words there. Look at what he is telling us. He says, if my people, that's you and me, who are called by my name. What an amazing privilege that we are called by his name he's placed his name upon us and this is so obvious when we think about it we call ourselves what christians we have christ god the son has placed his title his name upon us and the reality is anytime you're in a family or in a group or part of something and and you do something wrong the shame that you incur upon yourself goes across the board you don't if you don't believe me, you could ask anybody in the Sandusky family. Um, in case you're not aware of what I'm referring to there, Jerry Sandusky was a assistant football coach for Penn State. He very sadly and unfortunately committed some uh, monstrous crimes and was uh, convicted of, of assaulting uh, at least 10 uh, boys, little boys sexually. And so, you know, this is some terrible stuff, obviously. Well, think about his family. Think about how it is for his family now to get introduced to somebody and that last name comes out. And we bear the name of God. And while most of us hopefully have not done things as treacherous, although even those things are forgiven in Christ, uh, we do make mistakes. We sin. We treat each other poorly. We're Uh, rude to people we're unkind we're stingy with our money there's all sorts of ways that we can sin And, and when we do that it reflects back on the one who has made us and called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light and so This is why, uh, as Christians, we need to recognize this. We can't stop sinning, okay? Not till Jesus comes back and makes us perfect will we be able to stop sinning. But so what we do need to realize is repentance is an incredible way for us to keep the third commandment. Because once we've broken it, we're bringing shame upon the name of the one who's created us and called us. But when we repent, we're restoring God's good name. Repentance, public repentance for public sin has always been sort of a thing that's been done in the church. And when we mess up out there and people see it, we have got to come to our knees and say to people, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have done that, that was wrong. God does not tell me to do that. In fact, He tells me not to do that. I wouldn't, you know, I did a bad thing here, but God doesn't do bad things. Don't let my shame go towards Him. Oh, you may not be able to trust me now because of what I did, but you can trust Him. He doesn't lie. He doesn't do that stuff. Repentance is this beautiful thing where we not only say, God, I blew it here and I want to turn away from that, but we're also saying to a world out there, don't look at me and what I've done and think that He's like that because He's not. He's perfect. And he forgives us for these things. So repentance is huge. That's why, you know, Martin Luther, a lot of you know that Martin Luther wrote the 95 theses, just a couple complaints uh, he had uh, toward the Roman Catholic Church uh, several hundred years ago. And uh, he started these 95 theses with one point. You know what that is? Uh, I didn't know either until I looked it up. But uh, here's what what he said. Uh, Number one on the list. He says, when our Lord and Master Christ said to repent, he meant we should live lives of repentance. And so one of the ways we can keep the third commandment is by living lives of repentance and owning our sin and saying, I can, I can deal with this, I can acknowledge that I sinned here. And the reason we can do that is because we know we're forgiven. That's what the gospel is. And then what that also does, restores God's good's na- good name before the people who need to know how good God is. Um, so if we want to honor god's name we need to be a repentant people now so those are the three ways that we tend to uh, break the third commandment let's talk about keeping the third commandment and this is very interesting if you think about this because uh, the truth of the matter is the third commandment is not you shall not use my name period The third commandment is don't misuse my name. In other words, he's also saying to you and me. Use my name. I want you to use my name. I want you to say my name, sing to my name, think of my name. He wants his name on our lips, coming out of our mouths, which is Like, amazing. This is shocking if you think about it. Here's what John Calvin thought of this. He says, It is true that we are not worthy under any circumstance to take the name of the Lord in our mouth, for we need to consider what the prophet Isaiah said in the sixth chapter. Lord, my lips are unclean, and I live in the midst of a people who are totally unclean. Seeing then that we possess only infection and filth in ourselves. Calvin's a little, little blunt there, sorry. Um, but seeing then that we only possess uh, infection and filth in ourselves, it is certain that we cannot make use of God's name except for the fact that God still wants us to use his name on the condition that we glorify him. He wants it. He wants us to use his name. And think about this. We see in Scripture a ton of ways. Here's just a little bit that I could fit on the screen. If we had bigger screens, we could go all day. Uh, uh, Psalm 29, ascribe to the Lord the glory do His name. Sing to the Lord of the glory of His name. Psalm 66, blessed be His glorious name forever. Psalm 72, bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul. Worship His holy name. Psalm 103, trust in the name of the Lord. Isaiah 50, fear this glorious and awesome name. Deuteronomy 28, how awesome is that one? They're all awesome. Uh, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Joel 2. We see that obviously in Paul as well. And there is salvation under no one else. For there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. In Acts chapter 4. God wants us to use his name. God wants us to use his name. When God was calling Paul to do evangelism, to go preach to the nations, he said he will carry my name before the Gentiles. He wants us to use his name. And he wants us to use it in ways that invokes worship in us and shows the goodness of him to the people who have not yet come to Christ. He wants us uh, to, to rightly use his name for two reasons. Because when we do, lives change and people get saved. You want to see this in Scripture? It's beautiful. If you want, you can flip to Acts chapter 19, 11 through 20. I'm going to paraphrase it for us for the sake of time. This is amazing. Interesting story, kind of funny too. Uh, there were some brothers and they were exorcists. They were kind of, you know, fakers. They would go out and try to get people's money by pretending they could exorcise demons out of them. They heard about the fact that Paul was going around exercising demons by the power of Jesus' name. So they start going around saying, calling out demons saying, uh, we're we're calling you out in the name of Paul and Jesus and, and those guys. And they're trying to uh, basically trick people and, and get people's money. And then what happens is they do this one demon and they're trying to uh, work with this possessed guy. uh, And they're they're saying uh, Paul's name and Jesus name. And the demon says this amazing thing. He goes, "Uh, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I recognize. But who are you? And then he leaps out of the possessed man and starts smacking him up and beats him up and they run away naked. Awkward. I know. But that's what happened. All right. That's what happened. They were using the Lord's name in vain. They were using it for their own gain or they were using it for some meaningless purpose. And God lay the smack down on them, let that demon roar on them because he loves us too much to not let us see that this is a very serious issue. Then you keep reading what happened was because of that, it says in the next verse that the people extolled the name of the Lord. So now they see, let's not use the Lord's name in vain. Let's let's extol the name of the Lord. Let's lift his name up. Let's praise his name. Let's use his name. Let's glorify his name. Let's attach his name with who he is and what he's done. And then something crazy happens. In verse 18 and 19, all these people who had gotten mixed up in all these practices that they shouldn't have been involved in, things that were surely hurting them, hurting others, damaging their relationship with God, they start casting those things aside. Their lives changed. And as you and I, as we as a church, extol the name of the Lord and and strive by the power of the Holy Spirit to use his name the way he wants us to use his name, only when we're attaching the meaning of who he is and what he's done with it, our lives are going to change too. I guarantee it. Uh, For the last few days, I've been trying not to say some of the things I used to say, and I can already feel it. His name is becoming more important to me. It's changing my life. But that's not the end of it. Then in verse 20, it says, that it says the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily, which means people were coming to Christ, which means people were hearing the gospel and believing and becoming disciples and learning how to make disciples. Not only were the believers' lives changing, but the non-believers' lives were changing by becoming a follower of the Lord. Jesus Christ. So there it is. The amazing thing. Who knew? Okay, one of the most powerful tools we have in order to reach our city for Jesus Christ as well as other cities around the world. One of the most powerful tools we have is the name of God. Who knew? And so that is what God is calling us to in this. He's saying, I love you so much, so much, cherish my name. And as he's telling us, as we strive to change the way we use his name, change the way we think about his name, as we work hard on this, not pulling up by bootstraps, but trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit, as we work together on this as a church, our lives are going to change and people are going to get saved. I don't think it gets any more inviting than that. Let's pray. Gracious Lord God Almighty, uh, would you forgive us uh, for the way we have used your name in vain or used substitutes uh, in an improper way? Would you forgive us for the way our lives at many times uh, can, can bring shame upon your name? And would you give us strength to repent? Oh, you're so good. You're so good. And you love us so much. Help us to see that. We forget it. We forget it. We're a people who need to be led. And thank you for sending us a leader. Thank you for sending us Jesus Christ to lead us continually through this wilderness that we call life. Thank you. And help us to keep in mind and to remember that we are on our way to the promised land. We're on our way to a day and a time where none of us will ever sin. We'll never bring shame upon your name. We'll, every time we say your name, we will the full weight of who you are and what you've done will be with us and present with us. And we will drop to the floor and worship you as we see happening in the book of Revelation. Oh, that day, that day, that day. Hasten that day, Lord. Give us uh, an urgency to continue to make disciples here and around the world. Give us your power. Give us your Holy Spirit. Help us to remember that we bear your name. Your name. And we pray in your name. Amen.
0: We at University Presbyterian Church thank you for listening to this message. Our mission is to help people know God, grow together, and serve others. To learn more about the church or how to have a vital relationship with God, visit our website at www.upc-orlando.com or call our offices at 407-384-3300.